This week on the Sport Blokes. This week we talk to friend of the show, Woody V, about the upcoming T20 World Cup. Who should you look out for? What teams can win it all? And are there any surprises coming? And who's the Bunt King and what does he do? <laughs> Woody's got a great party trick too. Well, let's go. Well, we're delighted once again. Fresh off last episode, we've had a chat with both members of Throwback Hoops. Now we have the cricket. Well, he's an aficionado, isn't he, Stewie? He's a massive fan. He's already impressed us so much with his knowledge over the years that we've known him. I would have said savant. Savant, yeah, <laughs> that works well. And he has a great basketball podcast. But of course, on that podcast, he doesn't get to explain or explore cricket. So we're delighted to have him on. And we've talked about it for a while. A very special sport blokes welcome to the great Woody V. Welcome back, mate. Thanks, Nate. No, it's great to be here. So, yeah, my first love, first passion was cricket. So, really excited to talk to you guys about the World Cup that's just about to kick off tomorrow. So, it's kind of crept up. We're almost still, I guess, fresh off winning the last installment in the UAE. Yes, it feels like just yesterday that Mitch Marsh was smacking them all around. That was a great game. But before we get there, Stewie, because like Jackson did back in the day, Woody's joining us as well for what caught your attention and what'd you miss? We'll throw to you first, Woody. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, with the World Cup coming up, as we spoke about earlier, I thought I'd tell you a little something about what's going on in Indian cricket at the moment. So I don't know if you guys know Roger Binney. He's the first Anglo-Indian cricketer to play for India. He's of Scottish descent. His son, Stuart Binney, also played for India. He's just been uh, announced. Uh, it's just been announced that Roger Binney will be taking over as the next BCCI president and he'll be succeeding Sarah Ganguly. The reason I say that is Bollywood director Kabir Khan has made a sports drama film named 83. And we love that year, 1983, correct, guys? <laughs> we sure right. do. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it actually talks about the 83 World Cup. This movie, it's a, it's a drama, but the, the movie is about the 83 World Cup when India won its first ever title at Lords. And Nishant Dahia plays the role of Roger Benny in the movie. And it's just dropped on Netflix in Australia as well. So if you've missed it, Jump on Netflix, everyone who's listening to this, and watch the movie 83. Because with okay. the World Cup coming up, it's a great time for everyone to check the movie out. Now, it's in it's dubbed in uh, Tamil, and it's the original film is in Hindi. Unfortunately, there's no English dubbing of the movie, but there is subtitles there. And I, I strongly suggest jump on, watch the movie. So if you've missed it, watch it. I've, movie tips. I have to say, I actually prefer subtitles. So like, I, I go back immediately to like Squid Game. And there was yep. the dubbed option, so you could have that dubbed in Korean or you could basically have the, so they dubbed to English, I should say, from Korean and then have the subtitles. I went the subtitles me all too. the way. Yeah, me it. too, always. So actually, I think subtitles work better than dubbing in most films. So that's, that's a really, really great tip. Yep, and Roger Binney is portrayed in that movie. It's a great film. So yeah, strongly recommend if you haven't watched it. In preparation for the World Cup, it's a good time to go watch it. Yeah. I guess while we're on that quickly, Woody, did you ever see Bodyline? Yes, I did. Oh, that's how it. good is that? Yeah. Hey, it's that's just hilarious. Have you seen it? Stuart? I didn't actually get a chance to see it. Oh, there's it. there's a famous scene where Jardine goes to the Australian dressing room and is annoyed because someone called him a bastard and demands an apology. And so I can't remember if it's Gary Sweet or who it is, but it's he Gary turns, Sweet is it? And he turns yeah, around yeah. and he goes, "Oi, which one of you bastards called this bastard a bastard?" Yeah, <laughs> it's Gary Sweet. I'm, I'm so pretty sure anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially Australian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gary Sweet plays Bradman, but I can't remember if he's the one that answers the door on that scene. But yeah. Oh, yeah, just I think fantastic. what he was saying it is, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Hugo weaving in it as well. Yeah, oh, just fantastic. And the Kelly you... Packer ones as well. Good, you know. The, yes, you yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. How's that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Stewie, what you got? Well, what caught my attention this week was actually something that's been happening for over a decade now in Korea at the Baseball All-Star Weekend. Now, 
I guess, as Aussies and, and the rest of the people around the world, when we think about the baseball weekends, we get a little bit excited about the home run derbies. They're a bit of fun. But we've also spoken on the show about some of the horrific things that have happened at some of these other All-Star weekends. So things like the goalie wars in the soccer in the, the MLS was just horrible. And they've got something in Korea that is called the Bunt Derby or the Bunt King. So basically what they do is they've got a, they've got a pitcher who lobs the ball to these batters and they attempt to bunt the ball down either the first or third baseline and have them land in different spots to earn points. So, so they're basically taking one of the most boring parts of the yeah, sport. It's like a layup drill. <laughs> yeah, it, it pretty much is. So they, they do that. The other thing they've got is a thing called perfect pitcher. So they'll have a pitcher on the mound and they line up basically seven bats vertically and the pitcher's got 30 seconds to knock down as many of the bats as they can. Almost like a carnival game. It, it kind of is a carnival game. Yeah, yeah, throw the ball in Jennifer Love Hewitt's mouth like on South Park. Yes. Shenanigans. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just thought, yeah, a couple of fairly random things out of Korea. Got to love it. How about yourself, Nath? Well, I'll, I'll do a couple of quick ones. So, MLB, the playoffs are in full swing. So, you mentioned baseball. I've got to go there. By the way, I noticed a David Murphy tweet which said, playoff baseball is like watching a loved one defuse a bomb. I think we can all relate to that feeling during playoff time. It doesn't matter what sport it is. But anyway, I saw former star pitcher Randy Johnson. I know Shuey will be aware of him. I don't know if you've watched much baseball, Woody, but he was massive Hall of Fame pitcher. Anyway, the logo for his company is pretty funny. It's a dead bird. And it actually references the time that his perfectly timed or imperfectly timed pitch, depending on what you want to call it, a fastball literally obliterated a bird when he was pitching to San Francisco Giants player Calvin Murray. And I'm not kidding when I say obliterated. So catcher Rod Barajas at the time said, it was an explosion. I don't know any other way to put it. How's this though? The rules state that if a ball hits an animal, it's considered to be live, ironic pun intended, as if it hadn't hit the animal. Professor Michael Wunder from the University of Colorado actually concluded the odds of a pitcher hitting a bird are one in 50 million. Thankfully, in that case, the umpire applied a common sense approach. So it was resulted as a no pitch and re-pitch. Yeah, I remember saying that. That was just crazy. So feathers just going everywhere. Oh, it's interesting that that's his logo now. Yeah, hey? it's probably a bit, <laughs> a bit much. And just quickly, obviously, AFL trade periods happen. We'll get into this more in the future, maybe closer to the start of next season. But we've talked about this before in one of our first episodes in the early days, actually. Three of the four players on the cover of Hawthorne's 2023 calendars are no longer with the club. Okay, Mitchell and O'Meara were traded, and that's bad enough. But it includes retiree Ben McAvoy, right there at the front. Biggest player on the cover. Why would you print these bloody things before trade period and before retirements? Insane, isn't it's it? just nuts. It really is. What'd you miss, Woody? Well, I missed a lot of this Australia-England T20 series, right? Uh, Australia did go down 2-0 and, and would have lost the third game last night. Didn't get to watch much of it, did follow the scorecards. Um, have had a lot going on in my life in this last week, guys. It's been a difficult time for me personally, so I, don't, I haven't got a chance to watch it. But uh, I think we'll get into it a little bit later on, on the implications of Australia going into this World Cup with a little bit of a bad streak, losing the series to England. So, yeah, didn't get to watch much of it. Did you guys catch much of that series? Yeah. yeah, first off, we want to thank you so much for joining us in spite of the really difficult week that you've had. We couldn't be more appreciative. We're just so delighted to have you on the show, an absolute friend of the show, and we thank you so much for joining us, mate. Um, Thanks, mate. Yeah, I, I, the only game I saw in that series was the one I went to. So my girlfriend and I went last Sunday. I might talk about it a bit more as we kind of do our little preview. I don't know what yeah. you missed, Shui. I mean, I certainly saw a decent chunk of that. I, the thing I missed, actually, that I was really disappointed with was the Sydney-Cairns NBL game last night for... 
yeah, all accounts, it looked like a, a pretty fun game as it went right down to the wire. But unfortunately, just finishing up the week with work was just yeah not conducive with watching two games of NBL. Well, the time difference as well. Though. So those early games start at 5.30 here in Perth. I mean, I'm uh, no, is it 4.30 yeah. with the time with uh, yeah. daylight savings now? Yeah, so I don't, I don't finish work till 5.30 or 6. So I yeah, unless the Wildcats are playing and I make a special effort. But I watch a lot of games on delay anyway these days. So, so does that mean that's what you missed as well? I also <laughs> missed that too. I did. Yeah, I did. Fair enough. Now, as we mentioned, we're going to do a nice little T20 World Cup preview, but we wanted to have a few little quick hits at the top here. So there's that kind of issue in cricket that's reared its ugly head once again, and we wanted to get your opinion. And I know it actually differs from ours, Woody, in spite of the fact that it involved an Indian player. So we wanted to get your thoughts on the man-cat. Obviously, a bit of controversy in the women's game between India and England recently when the Indian team won basically as a result of well, I don't know. I don't know how you actually feel about the phrase man cat as well, because technically it's a run out and should we still use this name? So what are your thoughts, Woody? Well, the word comes from the great Indian cricketer, Vinu Mankad, right? So man cat is what it's been westernized as, the, the word. But, you know, I've had a chat to you, Nate, before. If I believe that in basketball, if you're up by 20 points and the clock's running down and uh, it's the last play of the game, you dribble the clock out. You don't put up a shot. It's just kind of like a unwritten rule, right? And same with man-catting in cricket. I think it's not in the spirit of the game. You should give the non-striker a couple of warnings. Same with nicking a ball, playing park cricket. You know, sometimes you're umpiring your own game. You know, if one of your teammates gives you not out and you know you've nicked the ball, I'm, I'm going to walk, right? Me and my brother really enjoyed how Brian Lara used to do that and Adam Gilchrist used to do that. So these are a few things that I'm I don't budge on, right? Um, I don't think that it's in the spirit of the game. Okay, you're giving him a few warnings of the non-strikers then, and if he still continues to back up or she continues to back up too far, then you're in your within your rights to mancat them at that point. Gilly even walked on a few occasions where he didn't nick it. <laughs> That's true, yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like I kind of fall in the middle of those two. So I'm with you completely on the, the nicking thing. I know Nathan is completely against it. I uh, make the umpire do their job, I say. So. And that's absolutely fine. Comes I mean, out in the wash. This is the joy of opinions. Not everyone's going to have the same one. And look, I mean, both of us, we've always said that we think that, you know, if someone's out of their crease, they're ripe to be man-catted. Look, I, I completely understand where people are coming from. And I guess it is the gentleman's game in a lot of ways. So I guess a lot of people do still have that gentlemanly sort of thing. And, and I guess maybe we're a little bit more cutthroat. We want to win. That's probably, well, probably an Aussie thing, to be honest. Well, for me, for me, it comes down to the fact that the game already skews too far towards the batters, in my opinion. And uh, they know where the crease is. The crease has been in the same place for hundreds of years. They don't need warnings, in my opinion. But again, opinions, we all have different ones. And that's the great thing about the variety of thoughts. What are your thoughts on the 100? Stewie and I are pretty negative when it comes to the 100. But I, I don't think we've actually asked you about that, even in our private chats, Woody. Yeah, look, the thing is, if you're going to train and, and get prepared for a World Cup, and playing on the biggest stage. We've got the World Cup coming, right? The game's played over 120 balls with a certain set of rules, right? Yep. And if your domestic structure, I, I know they've got the NatWest Blast, which is played with the proper structure, right? You don't get all the great players because that's more a county-based, um, not a franchise-based, but a county-based tournament that lasts for a long time. But the 100 is not training you to prepare for a World Cup. So if you're preparing, playing completely different rules to ones that are played at the highest level, it's very gimmicky. And I play LMS, Last Man Stands, which is an eight-a-side 2020 cricket game that's played all across the globe, right? Um, and it's played over 100 balls, five ball overs. So I know where the 100 is coming from. The LMS originated in the UK. So they've taken Last Man Stands and translated that into a full tournament with 11 aside. But yeah, the skill sets you need are going to be different, man. So I think it's very gimmicky. And um, they could still do a franchise-based system in, in England and, and play over 120 balls, I think. 
like all the other leagues around the world, the CPL, the Big Bash League, the IPL, etc. Right. So yeah, I just personally I don't understand what cutting each over down by one ball. What does that achieve? Or you can bowl the ten ball over. Yeah, too. Or you can do. So that, they, yeah, they completely changed the rules. Yeah, it's it's a Mickey little Mouse. it's a bit crazy for us. It, you, you, it's so right though, and it's something that I, I think Nathan and I haven't really even spoken about is the preparation that that does provide, especially in the year of a, a World Cup for the T Twenties. It does. It seems so backwards and so counterproductive. It's, and we hadn't even really thought about that. Yeah, no, true. We just really hate it and think that the calendar is too crowded. But you're right. It makes even less sense in that context. So you bang on there, Woody. Bang on. And just quietly, I read yesterday, I didn't get to watch the game, but I read the article this morning about Mitchell Stark giving Joss Butler a warning yesterday at the non-strikers and, and not running him out when he was backing up a little bit too far. So there you go. There you go. There you go. Which is also interesting when you consider, I mean, obviously the game was sort of rained out to a point where there was a no result, but when you consider what Butler did and what he's actually done so far in the series, he's had a pretty decent series so far. Well, certainly oh, in yeah, three yeah. game series. Absolutely. In the lead up to a World Cup, giving him a warning, that's a, it's a, it's a big thing. Yep. And Aaron Finch came out at the end of the game, guys, and said, I'm not a big fan of man-catting people to the non-strikers end as well. So, yeah. I'll take that opportunity as well. Speaking of the rain out, our thoughts go out to everyone over east dealing with these horrible torrential rains and yep. floods and that sort of thing. So we hope that as little damage is done as possible. I saw people kayaking through Maribyrnong in Melbourne, the water yep. basically nearly up to the bottom of the giveaway sign. Ooh, wow. It's incredible. So any anyone that, that does listen to us that's going through those tough times, uh, our hearts go out to them. We thought we'd do a little preview, didn't we, Woody? So we'll start with the group stage. At time of recording, it actually kicks off tomorrow and we'll be releasing this episode a little bit after the group stage starts, but before the Super 12 start. So we thought we'd go through the teams really quickly. Maybe we'll start on the more well-known teams in the group stage. So Sri Lanka, West Indies and Zimbabwe, none of them have actually technically qualified yet. Maybe we'll start with the West Indies who have been here. Australia had a couple of games against them. What do you make of them, Woody? Look, they're in a state of transition. If you look at the previous World Cup, Kyron Pollard is retired, Dwayne Bravo, Chris Gale, Andre Russell hasn't been picked, Lendl Simmons has retired, and much of the success they've had over their their couple of World Cup victories, those guys were a big part of it, right? So uh, Nicholas Puran's come in to captain that side. They're full of talent. You know, you've got guys like, you know, Rovman Powell and uh, Alzari Joseph, Brandon King, Carl Mayers. They're very talented, but they're raw, right? And in, in 2020 cricket, you found that it's not just about hitting fours and sixes. You need to be able to tick the ball over and 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 knock it around for ones and twos in those middle overs leading up to the end. They're going to be interesting. They can beat anyone on any given day. We saw in that first T20 International versus Australia how competitive they were. And really, if it wasn't for uh, Raymond Reifert dropping a catch, and then I think Carl Mayers dropped a catch as well in that last over from Sheldon Cottrell. Yeah, I mean... They can beat anyone on any any given day, so they're gonna they're gonna be competitive. I will also say I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure about the captaincy of Nicholas Puran. He he left Odian Smith for three overs and had to bowl Sheldon Cottrell in that last over. If Odian Smith had bowled that last over uh, and he got his mathematics right, then you know West Indies possibly would have won that game. So I'm not convinced about his captaincy. He's a rookie captain. He'll learn on the job, but. Good to make those mistakes in warm-ups rather than in the tournament, yes. isn't it? Woods, I did want to ask, I guess, what your thoughts were on, I guess, the importance of a Shimron Hetmeyer staying at home. Now, he's he's amazing, man. But that's the thing. He's got a lot of issues off the field. And whether it's his commitment to fitness or stuff in his personal life, he missed the flight. He, uh, they asked him to, he said, I'd like to take an, uh, a later flight because I've got something personal to deal with. And he didn't even turn up for that, right? It, it's all well and good to be a great player and have have talent, but... 
you need to be committed to the cause. I mean, I think Shimron has, he's lacked in that department a little bit. He's young, he's immature, and he's letting some some things off the field affect him. So I'm no, I've got no problems with that. Shamra Brooks has had a great CPL. Um, and he's coming to replace him. He's, he's, a, he's a wonderful player. So fair that he's been left at home when you take into account everything that's happened. So I guess we will move on to Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka obviously had a, a fantastic Asia Cup in, in recent times. I believe they won it, if that's right. That's right, they did. So I guess, you know, they're a team that we go back to the 90s. We always look back at the, you know, the, the, the Jaya Sarias and the Jaya Wardeners and, and all, of, over the all of those guys. And, and we sort of still think, I guess, of Sri Lanka as being one of those. You know, we went across to the, the World Cup and spent some time in Sri Lanka, had a, had a really great time there. It's a, a team that we hold quite close to our heart as well. Beautiful part of the world. Beautiful. What do you make of their chances? We were all there in 2011. We didn't know each other at that time. Yeah. Oh, we there you go, Cup, yeah. Right? <laughs> I'll tell you something that happened in that when I was there in Sri Lanka, all my Sri Lankan friends who lived there, right, were telling to me there's this young kid. He's 17. He's a prodigy. He's coming through the ranks and he's going to be a great cricketer for, for Sri Lanka. His name is Banaka Rajapaksa. Since that time, 11 years, he hasn't stamped down a proper spot in the Sri Lankan side till now. And he had a great IPL. He had a great Asia Cup. Uh, he bats at number five or six. He can hit the ball out of the park. He's learned a lot from Liam Livingston during the IPL, being teammates with him. Watch out for him. You got um, Wedindo Hasaranga, who's the number three, I think, bowler in T20 cricket. He's got an average of, I think, 14.71 or something like that uh, at an economy rate of 6.72. So his average is 14.74. He has 71 wickets at 6.72 runs. And it was really impressive stats. The thing is that Asia Cup's year, we was played in very different conditions. Having said that, I think they will progress in, in that group through to the Super 12 stage, right? Uh, one kind of, of two teams. Yeah. You you anticipated what I was going to say next, or, or I don't need to say it now. The conditions are very different, and maybe yes. we'll talk about the pitch. Shui reckons we, we, we might have seen that. We, we actually saw. I'm I'm about ninety nine point nine nine percent sure we saw Raja Parks are playing while we were in Colombo. We went to a youth game. Yeah, we yep. went to a youth game, and they, they were saying there's this kid. He's like, yeah, he's like seventeen years old. He's yep. an absolute prodigy. He's going to be a future star, and I'm. I'm convinced it was this kid. And he, 100%. I, and I think he blasted yeah. 100 off about 35 balls or something. It was very entertaining. We just jagged and we just walked into this stadium. They said, oh, come in, have a watch. And we sat in these great seats and it was fantastic. Guy, he was just blasting them everywhere. It was ridiculous. That, that's that's brilliant to hear. And and he's broken all the schoolboy records in Sri Lankan schoolboy cricket. But yeah, it's good to see that all these years later, he's finally making a name for himself, Stu. Yeah, that's yeah, a great absolutely. story. Absolutely. Yeah. We know you're a big fan of Zimbabwe, Woody. Do you think they're going to make it through to the Super 12s? And if they do, can they cause a bit of a stir? I don't think they can cause a bit of a stir once they make it through to the Super 12. They could upset someone, right? But in that group, you'd think Zimbabwe and West Indies should get through. That's a pretty strong um, group, you know, with Ireland and Scotland, right? The other two teams in that yeah. group, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so that's really strong. But I mean, you've got Sikandar Razabad, who's just unbelievable. You know, under Dave Houghton, they've just been really, really good. In, in, in the last sort of six months, they had to play in a qualifying tournament to get through. Craig Irvine's a great leader. We know what Ryan Bell can do. Regis Chakvava, the veteran. We saw them beat Australia. Young Bradley Evans. I mean, these guys are going to be fun to watch. Um, I'm really excited about the future of Zimbabwean cricket. You talk about the great Sri Lankan teams of the 90s, Stu. Zimbabwe had great teams back then as well. And obviously, the political situation in there hasn't been great over the last sort of 20 years. But now um, things are looking up. And um, I think they're, they're a team on the rise. 
that that is another team that Nathan and I look back on quite fondly, like the Heath Streaks and the Strangs and the Flower Brothers. Absolutely, they yeah, they were a team that, that we, we all enjoyed. They they were never quite sort of world beaters, but they were all they're always always there or thereabouts. And I think yep. world cricket's all the better for a good Zimbabwean team, just like it is when the South African team is strong. So yep. that's it, they're up and coming. That's really great to see. And I guess that's one of the things about the T Twenty tournament is that it has allowed some of these lower teams to really cut their teeth against better opposition, isn't it? Maybe we'll start to look at those other teams that aren't quite as strong. Although, as you mentioned, we've got Ireland, Scotland. I know, Stewie, you had a a question about Namibia. Maybe we'll start with them. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the obvious question with Namibia, and we saw it at the last World Cup, they were pretty much, they only went as far as David Weiser took them. And obviously, he's a, a very, very talented player. Is it as simple as where he goes and Namibia goes, or is there any chance that they can do anything if he's not performing? Yeah, look, he's he's great, you know, and and played all around the world in various leagues. Uh, played for South Africa. Um, they've got Ruben Trumpelman there as well, so they've got a couple of guys. But really, I think you, you got to look at Netherlands in that group, Stewie. You know, they've got um, who have they got? Rulof van der Merwe, ex South African international. They've got Tom Cooper from South Maybe, Australia, yeah. and yeah, well he. Played, played in Australia in the Big Bash. For, so they've got him. Who else? They've got, they've got Scott Edwards. This is an interesting one. He's the captain of the team, uh, wicketkeeper, and he was um, plying his trade in Victorian club cricket for, for many years. Never quite made it to the Victorian first 11. Played in the second 11. And through his grandmother's heritage, he's he's gone over and um, he's, he's landed as captain of that side. So Netherlands are looking strong. Uh, they've got Buzz De Lied, who's actually a, a Dutch kid, a local. Um, good to see them producing some cricketers. So I think Netherlands are going to be really strong. So in that group, I'm actually thinking it's going to be, we're looking at Sri Lanka and, and Netherlands to go through and UAE and, and Namibia to miss out. And as, as you said, they're, they're very reliant Namibia on just David Visa. So I don't think they're going to, yeah, I don't think they're going to make it through. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really keen, just speaking of the Netherlands, I'm, I'm keen to see how Max O'Dowd goes. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. He's had a good little run, Max, lately. And obviously Dirk Nannis, another one of those kind of internationals that I didn't know about Vandermeer. That's that's a decent little get for them. He he could do some decent things for them. He was a decent cricketer for South Africa. Well, just quickly, Max O'Dowd, Stewie, 50, 2020 international, averaging 30, 109 50s. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's putting together a really good record. And what do you make of Ireland and Scotland, Woody? I guess they've been probably around a little bit longer and, and maybe had a little bit more experience than UAE, for example, some of the other teams. No Kevin O'Brien now with the island, with him retiring. Yeah, so they have had a bit of turnover, the Irish. So they've maybe come back to the pack a little bit more than, say, a couple of World Cups ago. Yeah, definitely. And, and Stewie spoke on it. Kevin O'Brien's gone. Andy McBrien, I think, retired recently. So, I mean, they, they've got Paul Sterling, who's obviously a well-traveled cricketer, played all around the world. Andrew Balburnie and a young kid called Harry Tector coming through. They're going to be competitive. That's going to be a really tough group, right? I do think Zimbabwe and West Indies will probably get through, but Ireland and Scotland could upset any of anyone could beat anyone in that group. So that's going to be a fun, fun group to watch to see who qualifies. Yeah. Absolutely. And and look, Ireland have still got George Dockerell as well. So there's still yep. some, yep. some bowling prowess. Look, I think the thing that's going to probably be a bit of a struggle for, for teams like, you know, Scotland in particular, they're used to playing on these little postage stamp arenas around Scotland where you know, the boundary square are like 55 metres. So playing on some of these bigger grounds, they may not quite get the same sort of value for their shots as they would playing at home. And It's interesting, though, because Optus and the G have shorter square boundaries, but Adelaide and the Gabba, for example, have longer. So so the dimensions do differ from mm. ground to ground. Yep. But also the conditions, I think, some of these teams will struggle with the pace. It's uh, funny also that you mentioned George Dockrell, Stewie, right? Because 
he got basically got the yips with bowling about a year ago and reinvented himself as a batsman. And he's been topping the run charts in Irish uh, domestic league. And he's playing as a batsman, batting in the top six and bowling the order over here and there. So he's had a bit of a Mark Richardson about turn from, from bowler to batsman recently. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Just, just quickly, I guess, before we move on to the groups in terms of the, the guys that have the already made teams, it, yeah. teams have already made it. Yeah. I did notice yeah. that Scotland have a player in their team called Brandon McMullen. I wonder if he's uh, just Brendan McCullum with a moustache over his... <laughs> Guy incognito. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, no, I look, I look forward to seeing how some of these, I guess, the yeah, the lesser, the, the associate yeah. teams, how they go. Should be, should be quite fun. So time to get into the meat and potatoes of it. Let's talk about the Super 12s. And obviously, we've got to start with the Australian team. As I mentioned, I had a chance to see a bit of a tune-up against England last weekend. You'll be going to the first match against New Zealand on Saturday, the 22nd of October. So that's very exciting. So we thought we'd go yep. through each team a little bit, players to watch for, maybe also things that the casual fan might not know, Woody. We'll throw to Stewie first, though, with the Aussies. What do you make of the team so far? And I guess for me, Stewie, the interesting thing is how much of a run that Cam Green's got. He's not even in the squad. Yeah. So they're so. preparing for him if someone gets injured or or they need to bring him in. I must admit, the lead-up has been a little bit disappointing. Yeah, as we sort of mentioned, they they struggled to beat the West Indies in that three-game series. They Okay, they got close in the England series in a couple of games, but I still never really felt like we were going to win any of those ones. The thing that worries me a little bit is the top order is really struggling at the moment. Aaron Finch continues to, I don't know, defy belief in terms of how he's still in the squad. I understand he's the captain and all, but I just I haven't seen anything from him that really indicates that he's going to take over a World Cup game. Maxwell's kind of been hit and miss. There's been some some pretty decent scores recently from the likes of, uh, you know, David Warner had a, had a decent knock the other day. Oh, he was brilliant. Yeah. Mitch Marsh had a couple of decent scores. So, you know, Stoinis chimed in in the game I went to. Matty Wade did a few yeah, good Yeah, Matty Wade's been good. But that, that's my concern is if the top order's not performing, they're putting too much pressure on that middle and lower order to be the ones that are making all the scores. And it's it's not always going to happen that Matthew Wade's going to come in and have 45 off 20. So, you know, relying on on those guys to be doing that every single day. Tim David. Tim David's done some good things. He's done some good things. But again, it's still sort of early days for his international career with us as well. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned. And I, I think unless we bowl well, I don't see a world where we actually repeat as champions. And I might jump on that and throw to you, Woody. So I guess for me, sure. last weekend, I wasn't as kind of disappointed in the loss. I thought given how well England started, we actually pegged them back really well. But given that most of our frontline bowlers weren't actually playing, I thought we did pretty decently to lose by less than 10 runs. So what are your thoughts on the Aussie team, Woody? And realistically, how optimistic should Aussie fans be, do you reckon? Look, they're going to have that home home advantage as well, right? I know it's been a bit of a, not the most ideal lead up losing to England, but you mentioned Marcus Stoinis. He bowled his four overs and chipped in with a three for that fifth ball is going to be important, right? You've got Hazelwood, Cummins, Stark, Zampa, right? Those guys are, are bankers, right? It's that last four overs. You'll have Maxwell, Stoinis, Marsh kind of making up that four overs. Stoinis really proved that he's got a bag of tricks and he's underrated as a bowler. So I think Aaron Finch should lean on him a bit more. The one thing that concerned me was if Aaron Finch is going to open in the World Cup, right? He's batting at four, putting Cam Green up the order in the lead up to this tournament. It's not the ideal situation. You want to like test your team in, in the batting positions they're going to play in the World Cup. So that was a really um, surprising decision for me. I still think that they're going to be they're going to be very competitive. I mean, 
I don't know if they're going to repeat, but you've got to put them in that conversation, Stewie. Oh, I think you, you definitely have to put them in that that sort of that conversation, definitely. But I'm just, yeah, I just don't feel quite as bullish as I did about the the last squad. I don't know. The guys just don't seem to be in quite the same sort of form as they were. And I, I do, I worry that we we sometimes put a little bit too much pressure on guys like a Glenn Maxwell. Well, Maxie's what, last seven or eight innings have all been single figures. He's not in spectacular yeah. form. I mean, I know the great cricketer blokes were, were kind of joking and laughing. It's like, get your bad form out of the way early. And form is kind of uh, not even that important in T20 because anything can happen. I, I heard that Mitch Marsh wasn't bowling because, because of injury concerns. So he's been playing as a batsman only. So your point about Stoinis there, Woody, is even more prescient, I think. On our pitches, I think Camo and Starkey will do well. The interesting thing for me is Steve Smith. Is he an odd man out, Woody, or is he is he a walk-up starter to this team, do you think? No, absolutely not, right? I mean, I'm going to go Finch, Warner, Marsh, Maxwell, Stoinis, David, Wade, the three big quicks, and, and Zampa. And Hazelwood's obviously emerging as one of the, the best T20 bowlers in the world, almost unexpectedly out of nowhere. That time he spent with the Chennai Super Kings a few years ago, learning from Dwayne Bravo under the tutelage of MS Dhoni and, and Stephen Fleming. It did wonders for his white ball game. So I think we're going to have to rely on him quite a lot. Uh, well, Australia is going to have to rely on him quite a lot. But no, to answer your question, Steve Smith is not in, in the starting 11. No way. And Hazelwood's economy, I think, is really important on our pitches. And then if he chimes in with a couple of wickets, especially early in the in the yeah. match or in the innings, it's it's really beneficial. Yeah. And, and he's got I, the nice variations now as well, right? So He does, yeah. yeah. He yeah. does. I did have one last little question, I guess. Yep. Is there a, a world where Ashton Agar plays with him, I guess, having the ability to produce with the bat as well as the ball? Where do you fit him in, though, Stewie? I mean, he'd have Tim to bat David, number maybe. seven. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the thing, though. Ashton Agar being a, a good batsman is just a myth, all right? He's never done anything at international level since that 1980 scored on debut, right? Like he's, he can contribute with the bat. But, I mean, look at his stats. He, has he played an innings of note at international level since that 98? He hasn't. So I don't think he's good enough to bat at seven. And if you're going to put him at eight, that means you've got to get rid of one of the the four bankers that I spoke about earlier, right, Stewie? So yeah, that's fair. I mean, and he's and he and he's and he's injured as well. He's got a his injury cloud over him as well. So Cam Green might actually just get into that squad in the end. So well, that's yeah. that's a thought. I mean, and I guess the good thing is that we do have other guys that can step in if we need all rounders, we need batters, we need bowlers. We've we've got guys that can step in. Plenty of blokes will roll the arm over if we need some part time spin yeah. as well. Obviously, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, one final thought I'll tell you guys. I mean, I've played a lot of twenty twenty cricket myself, right? And you have time as a batsman to knock the ball around, get maybe five or six off your first five, six balls, and then go for it. The thing about Maxwell lately is almost from ball one, he's trying to hit you out of the park now, right? Um, and what some of the best innings you've seen Maxi play at international level is when he actually took some time initially to get his eye in, get a feel for the pitch, and then he went. So that's just a thought. You know, I think that's, that's, that's something he needs to look at. Yeah. So the favourites for me should be England. I think they're a really well-balanced team. They play in our conditions yeah. better than some of the other teams. I thought, okay, Hales scored more runs, but I thought Butler was just magnificent in the game I went to on Sunday last weekend. But they bat deep, they bowl well. Mark Wood is just fantastic, gets a lot of pace. What do you make of the English team, Woody, and, and do you think they're favourites? They're right up there. I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to go a bit left field and say, for me, Pakistan is a team that I think 
might take this tournament out, right? And that's Rich coming from India and saying that Pakistan is going to win. But uh, uh, <laughs> that's how we know you're so, impartial, mate. That's how we know exactly. that you're giving your honest opinion. Yeah, I think we saw a lot from Sam Curran as well. You know, in that middle order, he's put on a yard of pace. He's a great fielder. He can contribute. He's a three-dimensional cricketer, let's say, right? So he's really impressive. The big question mark for me is Stokes. If you look at his uh, T20 international record, highest score of 46 or 47, I think from memory, bowling average of 37, batting average of 19, right? When Liam Livingston, who's who's on the mend, comes back into that side, someone's got to make way, a Harry Brook or a... For me, I would I would actually say Stokes is under a bit of pressure because he, if there's one format that he hasn't excelled in, he's obviously retired from the 50-over format now. We know about his credentials in Red Bull cricket. But it's, it's the 2020 format that it's his weakest format. So, yeah. You're bang on there. He's been good in the field, but I agree. He hasn't maybe lived up to his potential in the other areas. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're impressive. And Dawood Milan, banker at number three, Mr. Consistency. You know, your good mate, um, Mike Hussey, one of Western Australia's favorite sons, handed him his 50th cap the other day. I saw. It's interesting to see Mike Hussey on that England, England coaching stuff, right? <laughs> And then when you look at the squad, there's a lot of blokes that have come over for the big bash over the years as well. So lots yeah. of guys that are more uh, used to our conditions than yes. maybe some other teams like Chris Jordan, for example. Adel Rashid Hales, hasn't... Sydney Thunder. Hales, well, is, yeah, Hales. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Rashid hasn't been in that boat, but God, feels like he's been around forever. Hey, how old is that bloke? Feels veteran. Like he's... he's 34 now, yeah? Okay, oh, I think okay. from memory. There you go, um, yeah, okay. But been around for a long time. And I think, a look, you look time. at that, Three left armers, David Willey, Reese Topley, and Sam Curran, right? You got a guy like Mark Wood is, who's pushing 90 miles an hour. You got death specialist in CJ, Chris Jordan. And then you got Adil, Adil Rashid and Moen Ali, leg spin and off spin. Both can contribute, right? They've got all their bases covered. They're, they're a really strong looking outfit. I agree. Yeah, yeah no, I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, and also talking about those left armors, you've got Tymel Mills as well as a as a backup, just in case anything happens. So Again, who's played in yep. the big bash too, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And, and when you were saying that night, that was the exact thing I said with England was what holds them in such a good spot is that so many of them have played extended stints over here in Australia for a number of years now. So they they do, they know the conditions well. I will just go back to one thing you said though, Woody, and talking about Liam Livingston, and it, it also yeah. So I guess relates to Chris Jordan as well. They've got a couple of guys who are coming off injuries who are potentially quite important parts of their team. Yeah. So I guess that's maybe my my one slight concern about England. But I mean, if you look at some of the players that you named, you know, the Butlers, the Livingston we spoke about, David Milan, yeah, these guys are all capable of blasting a 75 off 35, you know, taking a game away from you in those those early stages of an inning. So, and because they do bat so deep, they go all the way, they probably bat what, all the way down to nine pretty comfortably. So, man, Rashid's came in at 11 the other game. He's there got you go. multiple yeah. first class hundreds, right? I was so, going to say yeah. they almost bat to 10. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're, a, they're the sort of team where they can actually feel comfortable going after it all the way through the innings. You know, you get sometimes where you might lose two wickets in the first couple of overs and you can see teams really slowing down. I don't think England maybe have that same worry. They they bat so deep that they can actually afford to keep going after it. And yeah, some of their their all rounders or their their bowlers who are going to come in at eight or nine are still yeah. going to be very capable of of scoring a fifty if they have to. So I guess we've got to look at our Trans Tasman uh, brothers uh, over the ditch there, the Dutch, the Dutch, yeah, yeah, uh, New Zealand's interesting team, kind of. A bit hard to peg, I feel. They're a bit like South Africa. They could go either way for me. I don't know how you feel, Woody. They're also a team that's in a bit of a transition stage, Nate, like the West Indies. You know, Martin Guptill's coming to the end of the line. Uh, Kane Williamson, you know, after this elbow injury, I don't know if he's ever going to be the same player that he was 
before that, right? I mean, he had a negative strike rate in the IPL, right? I'm talking wow. like under 100, yeah. 100, right? So, yeah. um, and then you'll see Tom Latham has actually captained a lot of the white ball cricket stuff in the last three, four years because Kane Williamson just hasn't been fit enough to stay on the park. And then you got, you know, the likes of Jimmy Neesham, Trent Bolt. These guys have basically given up their contracts with New Zealand to, to become guns for hire. Tim Southey's coming to the end of it. There's an injury cloud over Lockie Ferguson. There's an injury cloud over Daryl Mitchell. The one guy that I will say that's really going to turn a few heads is Michael Bracewell. He barely, barely bowls in, in, in first-class cricket. He has the best economy rate, if I'm not mistaken, out of all spinners in 2022. So he actually fits into that side. He's, once again, like Sam Curran, a three-dimensional cricketer, can contribute in all facets of the game. Uh, they've got Finn Allen, right, who's at the top of the order. Dynamic player, Devin Conway. So they could turn a few heads. You, we all know, man. The Black Caps always punch above their weight, so uh, you can't write them off. I feel like Daryl Mitchell's been in pretty decent form in recent times from what I've seen as well. I do worry a little bit about the age. As you're saying, some of these guys like Southie and Bolt who are getting towards that sort of mid-30s. Yeah, they always bowl well here, though. I'm actually a bit more worried about their batting. I think they'll bowl oh, yeah. okay. Absolutely. No, yeah. I think, yep, I agree. I think I agree. you're right. I think the runs might be the issue for them. But, yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, look, we know what Trent Bolt does. He does very well pretty much everywhere. And Southie's been not too bad in, in Australia as well. So I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're one of those sides where I think you're right. They, they could be sort of just below that top level, maybe sort of looking in. They could spoil for teams. Glenn Phillips, this kid, he, he can play, man. It's a, it's a long ball. Um, he's, he's one to watch out for in this tournament as well. Then finally for group number one, we've got Afghanistan. Now they've got Rashid Khan, of course, who is an absolute fan favourite here in Australia. Played a lot of big bash, great spinner. But they have some other handy players too, don't they? Nabi, for example, there. What do you make of Afghanistan, Woody? Yeah, they're a veteran side now. As you, as you mentioned, some of those guys, Mohamed Nabi, Khan. It's, it's their batting though, you know. Um, Rashid Khan and Mohamed Nabi are going to contribute with the ball. They've got some other spinners. Case Ahmed has also played here for... The Renegades, I think, from memory. So, Mujib, he's there yeah, as well. So, they've got a very, very, very good bowling attack. I'm not sure that the, the, the pitches here are conducive to the to them, right? Rashid will turn it on glass, you know? He's terrific. But they could be a giant killer. You know, they beat West Indies in the previous World Cup in the group stages. And a couple of World Cups ago, they did. So, they, they could turn a few heads, but I don't expect them to progress past that. I feel like they're the sort of team that needs really, really strong contributions from their top two or three batters. And if they get, you know, if they get nothing from them, you could easily roll them for a hundred. They need a good start. Yeah. yeah, When they're, I agree. No, I agree. Now group two, we've got to start with your team, Woody, the, the Indian team, they're going to be powerhouses once again, definitely. I think one of the top four favorites, I don't think that's, any revelation, even with the Boomerah injury? And Jardasia as well. Oh, good point. Yeah. Good point. Well, so that's I, the big one. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I guess the, the big question, I mean, obviously, look, India's always got really top quality spinners. You've got Chahal, you've got Ashwin, you've got Patel. They've got a lot of decent batters. I mean, the, we know what we're going to get with Sharma and KL Rahul at the top. What I love about them is the middle order has been really great. So uh, Surya Kumar Yadav, Rishabh Pant, Dinesh Kartik, Hardik Pandya. They're all guys that can easily take a game away from you. And T20 veterans too. So they've just done it for so long and and mm. just so experienced. But instead of me talking about India for, <laughs> for half the show, I should, I should definitely pass to you, mate. No. What do you make of this Indian side? Oh, you raised some really good points there, Stuart. It's also guys like Rohit Sharma, Virat Kohli. I, I like it. I liken it to like Aaron Finch and Steve Smith, right? Legends, great players, but they really haven't delivered in, in this format recently, right? So they're just hanging on by a thread. But it's the death bowling that really, really worries me, right? I think Mohammed Shami is going to 
come in now to replace Bumrah. He will get you wickets in the in the power play. Ashdeep Singh can swing it both ways. Has has had a great IPL. But we saw it in that series when uh, you boys came out to India and uh, you know Harshal Harshal Patel bowling slow balls every ball and Matthew Wade just sitting back and playing him like a spinner, right? And he finished off some great run chases over in India, right? It's the it's the death that really worries me. As you said, Stewie, the the batting's good, but yeah, we're, the death bowling is what concerns me. And and Jadeja, man, like he's just an amazing cricketer. Can do a little bit of everything, you know. He's that. Once again, I said three-dimensional cricketer, someone who can win you a game in with a bat baller in the field and losing him is going to be big for us. I think with Jadeja out, there's a case to include Ravi Chandran Ashwin in the team. He can contribute with the bat and the ball, even though he's getting a little bit on and he might be a bit of a liability in the in the field though. Yeah. Jadeja is a big out and T20 is, it's again, I don't think it's any revelation to say that it's his best format. But what a what a luxury to have a guy like Shadul Thakur on the bench. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, They're man, a deep team. Yeah. Deep team. And he's played well Are in you, these yeah. conditions. You spoke about Sky. Man, Surya Kumar Yadav's Sky, as he's affectionately referred to, he's 360-degree player, man. That 100 he scored against England recently was one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Ricky Ponting's compared him a little bit to A.B. de Villiers. He can score all around the wicket, you know, Mr. 360. So um, I think these bouncy wickets with, with the ball coming onto the bat, He's going to like batting here. He's never been here since since a, a junior. So I'm uh, really excited to see him. And a small note for Dinesh Karthik. He's from Chennai, my hometown. One of my favorite cricketers of all time, 37. Uh, along with Matthew Wade, like this is going to be their swan song. Two great wicket keepers who have represented their country with distinction. So uh, look out for Dinesh Karthik and Matthew Wade to sign off from their international careers on a positive note. Absolutely. And look, the thing with India, because they've been playing so much T20 for so long, you could never count them out no matter who's missing and no. and who's sort of playing for them. So, uh, look, I think they're going to be there or thereabouts when, yeah, when the, yep. the chips hit the table and uh, we'll agree. certainly yeah. see. So then we've got to move on. And it's interesting that, that the subcontinental teams, a lot of them are all in group two apart from Sri Lanka. And, and I can't remember how it works, but Sri Lanka might even join them after the qualifiers, depending on what side of the draw they're on. You think Pakistan played very well in the last tournament. Baba Azam is one of my favourite players. You think they're favourites, Woody? Yeah, look, they've got four guys that can bowl 90 miles an hour. I'm just trying to think. Harris Ralph, Shaheen Shah, Freedy, Nazim Shah, definitely one more. Mohamed Hussain. So they've got four bowlers that can hit 90 miles per hour. Their spin stocks, they've got Shadab Khan. Yeah, it's it's, it's their middle order that's that's a, that's a bit weak. You know, you, you've got a few guys there, Iftikhar Ahmed and Asif Ali and whatnot. But at the top of the order, you got Baba Razam, Mohamed Rizwan, Shan Masood had a really good domestic tournament in T20 after being a red ball cricketer most of his most of his life. Um, he's been given that opportunity. I noticed Fakhar Zaman has been included today because Usman Kadir has been injured. So they're very top heavy and their bowling stocks are really good. If Baba Razam and Mohamed Rizwan don't contribute and they have to rely on their middle order, that's where they, they have a few problems. But if they put 160 on the board, and with the bowling attack that they have, I think they, they're going to be very competitive. So if I'm going to pick a team that's going to win this World Cup, I'm going to go with Pakistan. They could be the Perth Scorchers of the uh, of the World Cup in terms of the way mm. they, they play. Well, and, yeah. and I think they'll, they'll, the, the quick bouncy pitches, I think you're right. I think their pacemen will, will enjoy that. But I think their batsmen will enjoy that too. Rizwan is just magnificent, oh, isn't he? He's but, amazing, man. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And I guess speaking of subcontinental teams, it just makes sense to go on to Bangladesh next. Up and down... I would probably say maybe not as strong as as the last T20 World Cup, 
Guys like Shakib Al-Hassan are cut starting to get a bit longer in the teeth too. Yeah, they're terrible, man. Like, I don't think they're going <laughs> to... I'm too diplomatic. Yeah. The, the, and look, they've just dropped Mamadullah, Riyadh, and Mushi, right? Like, two veterans. Yeah, we've seen them in that tri-series against um, with New Zealand recently, New Zealand recently, and they've struggled. Yeah, 2020 is not their format, nor is Test cricket. They're really good 50 oversides. So we saw Zimbabwe just knock them off as well recently. So they're lucky to be in that group. Because West Indies, Zimbabwe, and a few of these other sides have had a really bad run run into this tournament. That they're, they're the best of a bad bunch, and they've qualified in in the full group stages. But yeah, I, I can't see them making much noise. Now, I think the last team in Group Two, South Africa. I think I find them to be a really interesting side. I don't know if we necessarily sort of agree on on one. I actually think that they're a decent chance of being a dark horse to win this tournament. And the reason I say that, they've got pretty decent bowling stocks. They've got a lot of explosive hitters. So if you look at their hitters, you know, Riley Rousseau, Quentin DeCock, Aiden Markram, David Miller. Now, I haven't seen what their form's been like recently, but I certainly know what they're like when they're at their best. If you look at their bowlers like Rabada and Norchi, uh, uh, super quick, super consistent bowlers. I'm oh, a big fan of the game. sort of saying. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, mate? What are your thoughts on South Africa? Yeah, I think you you covered it pretty well, Stewie. Their bowling attack is really strong. Kay and uh, Parnell, Ngidi, all those guys. Even Kesh Maraj has been bowling really well in the format. It's their batting stocks that that worry me. I mean, Temba Bavuma is the captain, and he recently didn't even get picked up in the, in the South African 2020 league, right? So he's actually not got a contract at the domestic level, and he's captaining the 2020 side. So I think it'll be interesting to see if they hand over the captaincy to Kesh Maraj or Dave Miller. Who's, who's absolute, he's a banker, man. How good was that 100 he scored recently? So I don't disagree with you in the, in the sense that they could turn a few heads. Been inexperienced in the batting department. Quinton de Cox obviously there. If they get their combination right, you never know. You never know. And and maybe I'll have egg on my face, Stewie, and uh, they will be more competitive than I think. Well, look, the thing is, we all know what South Africa can be like in these these tournaments. They can get to uh, a, a certain point and then uh, fall flat on their face. But look, the conditions will suit them better than if it were in the subcontinent, though, for example. Yeah, so. and th- like, they've got some like Klaassen, Hendricks. Like, they've got some guys that can that can yep. certainly do some damage. It's just whether they do. That's the big thing. Riley Russo as well, who's been great lately. Well, that's it. He, he played... Yeah. How, how many PBLs has he been in now? Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah. Renegades, right? I think, yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's been maybe a couple of teams. So they've got yeah. guys that know the conditions again. I don't know. I, I think if I had to put my money on a team as as sort of, yeah, that that not in that top level, the way that maybe Australia, England, India, Pakistan, and Pakistan yeah, are sort of there, yeah. Yeah. I think the teams sort of looking in are probably South Africa and New Zealand to an extent as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like the South Africa team. I think they're going to be fun to watch. Marco Jansen's was... actually come in now as well for Dwayne Pretorius. I'm looking at Pretorius is injured, so the talented Marco Jansen's come in. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets a game as well, Stuart. Yeah, beautiful. And that segues nicely into the game we like to play with leagues. It's a little bit early to start doing it in the NBL, but we will do that soon enough. And we did it in the AFL as the season wore on. How many teams can actually win it, Woody? Who can actually win it, do you think, realistically? Stewie? Well, I mean, look, I think this is the good thing. I think you could actually feasibly make a case for as many as six teams. Honestly, I believe, like, I don't think Australia will win it, but they, they physically could. England, I think, are a bloody good chance. I think Pakistan and, and India are always going to be a chance. And honestly, I believe that South Africa, if they get it right, could certainly make some noise. New Zealand, I don't know. I don't know. I maybe want to put them in the same sort of the same boat, maybe on the outside looking in. But I, I think six is probably the number. It's just four for me in this order. England, Australia, Pakistan, India. Yep. No, I'm with you, Nate. 
I'm going to go for, with those four teams. West Indies, very, very dark horse. Who knows? They get hot. They've got some very dynamic cricketers. Very, very dark, dark horse, right? But yeah, I would go with those four. But you I mean, 2020 is a fickle game. You know? Anyone can win on any day, right? So it's true. who knows? No, nothing surprises you on any given day. I mean, England should have won the last one. And New Zealand turned up on the day and knocked them off and basically handed the World Cup to Australia. Well, well no, Australia played bloody well. And and Pakistan, it was a good final. It was a good semi-final and final. So it was an exciting finish to the last tournament. So I'm, I'm optimistic that this will be a good, fun tournament too. England would have beaten us though. Oh, probably. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, they smashed, nice. us, they smashed Sorry, us in the pool rounds. <laughs> so, in fact, that was our only loss of the tournament, was, I think, yep. from memory. So, yeah, we, we kind of corrected after that. But How nice is it going to be two games every day, right? Even when we're working, have it on in the background and a bit of a carnival of cricket. And it's going to be really fun. Oh, it's going to be so counterproductive. I'm going to get no work yep. done in those few <laughs> yeah. oh, NBA season about to start. We've got the NBL on. The Cricket World Cup. Yeah, man, NFL's man. in full swing too. <laughs> there you go, yeah. So, Woody, well, we would like to finish with a bit of fun here. And we know that you guys finish with a lot of fun on your show, Throwback Hoops, with the classic packs. We know you've got a bit of a party trick when it comes to cricket. Maybe you could explain to our listeners what it is and then we'll maybe test you. Oh, I don't know if I'm still as good as I used to be, man. But, like, I've spent most of my life studying cricket info profiles and averages and things like that. So... Yeah, I'm pretty good, man. You could probably give me most players since the you know late '80s, early '90s, and I'd be pretty close to the money, I'd say. Definitely good with test, test, uh, test records. Not bad with one-day records. Yeah. Um. So yeah, try me. All right. So much like Glenn McGrath could tell every single wicket that he ever took at test level, including how it unfolded. Woody, we'll we'll, t- we'll test you with some test averages. So I'll throw okay. one at you first. How about Ashwell Prince? Okay, Ashwell Prince, South African batsman. Okay, let's go. Just under 40 with the... Oh, no. Probably a bit more. Let's go just over 40, maybe. 41.6. Maybe around 41. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll give you that. We'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Amazing. Highest score, maybe 160-odd. Uh, oh, he's, he's, na- he's navigated away. Well, I have. I think it was one sixty four. While Nathan tries to find that, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a Sri Lankan, Angelo Matthews. Oh, great! Uh, test match average of forty five. Do you want to give us the decimals as well? <laughs> uh, I know oh, his no, highest we'll score. Forty five. I know his highest score is two hundred. He's recently played his hundredth match, if I'm not it, mistaken. Spot on. Hundred matches on the dot. Two hundred not out in the test, and forty five point one four with the bat. Amazing. Ashwell Prince's high score was one sixty two not out. By the way, so pretty close. Let's go with a West Indian. What about Shivnarayan Chanderpaul? Oh, what a legend! One of my favorites, right? His average did drop towards the end of his career. It was up up at fifty three or so, but I think it's probably around fifty, just over fifty one. Maybe I'm gonna go fifty one point three seven. You are a star, my friends. You are a star. We'll give you a couple more. We won't drag it on too much, but you're doing bloody well. I'm just trying to think of players, to be honest. All right, I'm gonna give you a random one who's not actually a batter. Then, well, let's okay. let's let's give you a bowler. See how see how you go. He was I'm not uh, as good with bowlers, Chewie. No, look, well, we'll see how we go. This guy was uh, was recently supposedly kidnapped. One Stuart McGill. Ah. Oh, okay. I can, I can, I can do this one. Um, let me think. Okay, so twenty eight, maybe. Are you talking his his average with with the ball? Yep, yep. Twenty nine point oh two. I again, oh. I would pay that. That's close enough. Do you want to have a go yep. at his his average with the bat? Man, that's tough. Uh, maybe under ten. I know he got a 40-odd at the Sydney Cricket Ground once. 
He did. He had a 43. His average 9.69. So okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. again, I'd pay that. And we'll yeah. finish with an all-rounder. How about old Chris Harris from New Zealand? Harry, man, more known for his uh, his prowess in the, in the shorter formats of the game. It's true. He played um, 250 ODIs, only the 23 yeah. tests. I know he averaged around 30 with the bat and ODIs. 29. Um, <laughs> You're incredible. You are he got incredible. One, he's got 100 in the 99 World Cup against India at Chennai, and it was 130. It was a fantastic innings. I yeah, it's it, his right? highest. You're right. It's his highest yeah, score. It's 100 that he's got. Yep. I remember that innings vividly. Um, I'm going to go test. He probably averaged around somewhere. He was very ordinary with the bat and test. I think maybe around 20, 25, 20. I'm going to go 20-ish with the bat. 20.44. <laughs> you are a superstar, Woody V, my man. You are an absolute yeah. legend. Oh, it's been and, so uh, much fun. Thank you so much for joining us on back-to-back episodes, mate. It's been an absolute delight, hasn't it, Stuart? It really has. Can't thank you enough for taking time out of your Saturday. It's, uh, yeah, always always great to chop it up, as you say, and always great to, to chat to you, whether it's on or offline, and we'll we'll keep chatting through the NBL season and once the NBA starts as well. I love you guys, man. You guys are like family now. So. Oh, I love you too, bro. Much love, man. Absolutely. Much love. And and we'll let you get to watch that Adelaide Hawks game, see if Adelaide can bounce back in the NBL. But also, we've got to uh, let you plug your show. So we'll throw it to you to tell our listeners where they can find you for your and Robbie's show. Yep. As much as I've enjoyed talking cricket with you, our show is actually a basketball show, Throwback Hoops. Tune in on YouTube. Just search Throwback Hoops. We've got our channel. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, we're available everywhere. Instagram is throwback.hoops. Twitter is throwbackshoops with an S. And email is throwbackhoopspodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate everyone that listens to the show. So thanks for that, mate. And we appreciate you, man. Maybe we'll get you on again after the T20 World Cup and we can do a bit of a postmortem on the whole thing. Yeah, maybe we can see if uh, some of our predictions came, came true or not, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. And we can test you with a few others because, geez, you knocked those out of the park for six, that's for sure. Too easy, man. Give me some harder ones. Man. <laughs> oh, give me right, like right, a right, Dion, right. Dion Ibrahim or give me some like random player and see if all I can right. get that. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take that challenge. <laughs> we'll we'll find, take that we'll challenge. Guys that played like two or three tests and say, yeah, you, you'll probably still yeah. nail them. Thanks so much again, man. We appreciate of it. Much love, brother. Stewie, you know what that music means. Final thoughts time. Well, look, we said it last week. We'll say it again. Always, always great talking with either of the throwback guys. But Absolutely. Woody, what an absolute champion. What a ridiculous level of knowledge. Not just the players, but the stats. He makes me feel like such a casual cricket fan sometimes. But, yeah, just a great guy to talk about. I do still feel like it's going to be a slightly left-field team that wins this, though. So, we'll see. Yeah, well, time will tell. And we look forward to talking about it all after it has finished. But they've got to play the games first. And we'll look forward to them. Massive thank you again to Woody. So knowledgeable, so fun, just a great guy. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes. <laughs>